0: therefore brothers and sisters since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of jesus by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh and since we have a great high priest over the house of god let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Jesus, we love you. You're brilliant, you are resplendent, you are glorious. Thank you, you're alive, thank you, you're well. Thank you, you came, you died, you rose again, you sent your spirit to live on the inside of us so that we could live victoriously in this life. We worship you today. There is none like you, Holy Spirit. Thank you that you are here. Thank you, you're good at your job. Thank you impart strength, boldness, grace, whatever we need in this time, that you are faithful to finish what you began in us. We love you very much. Thank you that you loved us first. Father, I thank you for your provision, just as my brother Luke was praying and ministering God, for every heart in here who has a need, God, your word says out of his glorious riches in Christ, all needs are met. Thank you, Jesus, that you never leave us, you're a faithful father, you're a good friend. We love you. Thank you. Thank you. Hallelujah, the party doesn't stop. When the music stops, the Holy Spirit continues. Amen? Come on, I love this gospel. So good. I have the great privilege to invite Jim. He's gonna come and speak to us. Keep your heart in a place of letting the Holy Spirit do all the good stuff in you. You guys are lovely. You look lovely from up here. And the Father loves you very much. Let's welcome the Reverend James Waddell. I love this guy so much. Honestly, this guy, man. Love him. You can clap, I think. I mean, that's allowed.
1: Thanks, Johnny. Um, uh, isn't he great? <laughs> You see why he's a youth worker. So good. Um, Thanks, Johnny. Thanks, Luke, for leading us so beautifully. Uh, We're going to look at Isaiah chapter 40. If you've got um, Bibles or digital Bibles or whatever, um, if you want to turn there and um, I'll uh, read it out. I'm not going to read the whole chapter. I'm going to do little sections, so I'll tell you which verses we jump to as we get there. But let me pray. Uh, ...before we read uh, God's word. As I pray, you can find the place that's fine. So Isaiah chapter 40, we're going to start at verse 1. Father, thank you for the opportunity before us to call upon you... ...in a time, uh, I think we could all, all safely say, in a time of need. And so we invite you, Father, we invite you, Jesus, we invite you, Holy Spirit to come and uh, speak to us through your word and through uh, the things that you've been uh, saying uh, to myself and maybe one or two others. Um, And we invite you to move among us, to fill us with hope and with joy. In Jesus' name, amen. Starting out of verse one. Comfort... Comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her, wealth, that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries, In the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Jumping to verse 9. Go on up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem. I jumped up, haven't I? No, I haven't. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good news. Lift it up. Fear not. Say to the cities of Judah, Behold your God. Behold. And to him who has no might he increases strength even youth shall faint and be weary and young men shall fall exhausted but they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength they shall mount up with wings like eagles they shall run and not be weary they shall walk and not faint. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God is our response. Shall we try that again? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We are Anglicans. (laughs) So, isn't it a great passage? We find ourselves this morning um, at the kind of edge of another lockdown. Now, Perhaps it's not going to be quite as, as long and dragged out. We don't know yet. Uh, we hopefully have an end in sight. The goal is to get families together for Christmas. If that can happen, that would be glorious. But we might be feeling a bunch of different things. I don't know. Some people, and um, uh, some people are really excited because they love the kind of, you know time, uh, time out, time alone, that sort of stuff. But I know for many of us, this is not great news, not what we were hoping to hear. You know, uh, the thought of uh, not being able to be in an environment like this, which even this is, you know, not what we would hope it to be, but the thought that even this would not be able to happen. Uh, Many of you have been part of KFCs that have been meeting publicly together, you know, in a safe way, and that can't happen. You know, there are things, we were planning to do all sorts of things in November, we're going to have to pull back and not do some of those things. You've probably had various plans, hopes and things that, of things you may have wanted to do. Uh, One of my boys has a trial for the prep school Lions, which is an amazing opportunity to do uh, the Youth World Cup out in Sweden, and the trial is in next Sunday, and I'm sure it will be cancelled. Um, hopefully postponed and um, you know and that's on his birthday so he's not feeling uh, full of the joys of spring because of that um, but you know there are all sorts of reasons why this period of time might be hard and might be difficult and for some of us it would be probably you know there may be a sense of, of dread a sense of how will I manage what's it going to be like Uh, Some of us uh, live on our own for, you know, that's the way life is for us. Uh, Maybe we've lost someone that we love in recent weeks, uh, as some people in our community have. There could be any number of reasons why this is a particularly uh, sour pill to swallow. Bitter pill, should I say, to swallow. And when we look at the people of Israel in Isaiah chapter 40... They perhaps would have felt something similar. They were in captivity. Uh, They were in Babylonian captivity. You remember some months ago we did a series on Daniel. And we went through the book of Daniel. And we talked at one of those uh, periods in Daniel's life was when the people of God were in uh, captivity under the Babylonian um, system. And that's what Isaiah is speaking to here. These are people who are in captivity. They cannot live as they want to live. They cannot meet in the ways they want to meet. They cannot see all the people that they want to see. It's very similar to how we may be feeling uh, this morning. And they were under this oppressive regime. And I'm not saying that we are because I don't believe we are. But these guys had it far worse than us and but there are strands um, that will connect I think you know with us because of the situation we're in you know I, I hate the fact that I can't just call a friend and, and hang out you know and do something I think didn't um, the Prime Minister say last night that now you know the rule of six has gone. We can do exercise with one other person from a different household, I think was the, the, the thing. So that's the limit now. You know, this is going to be much different, isn't it? So not an easy time. And what does God say? So I just need to flip this round. There we are. What does God say to um, the people of Israel? He says this to Isaiah. He says, comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem. The people are feeling some of these emotions that maybe we're feeling this morning. And the Lord says, comfort my people. We've done some stuff on finances over the last week and I was going to share something about pastoral ministry but of course with the changes that uh, came in yesterday I, I couldn't bring that today it just would wouldn't be the right environment so I, I felt drawn to this and, and a sense of hopefully in something of what I share um, I hope it will connect in some way and release some sense of comfort um, or hope and, and some of the message will be challenging to us as well but here the Lord says, speak tenderly to Jerusalem. There's a sense of recognizing the situation where the Lord is not going to be harsh. He's going to be gentle. Because the people of, uh, of God have basically rebelled against him. And he's saying, hey, I get it. I understand And and while you know we often see the God of the Old Testament in in different ways that we see the God of the New Testament, here he's instructing Isaiah, speak tenderly to Jerusalem. Cry to her, say things like this: that her warfare is ended. He's pointing to a prophetic hope here. That her iniquity is pardoned, she has done wrong. But I'm the forgiving God. As far as the east is from the west, blah, blah, blah. So far has he removed our transgressions. That's an Old Testament verse. She has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries, in the wilderness prepare the way for the Lord. Who's that pointing to? I think we all know. It's pointing to John the Baptist who heralds more than anyone else the arrival of the Messiah. And then um, we have this thing about everything becoming level. Hold on, I just think I may have missed something there. Yes, so uh, verses 1 and 2 there. um, God seeks to win back the hearts of his people. And uh, he reminds them of their true identity. So he calls to them and he says, You are Jerusalem. And he's, he's basically saying, don't forget who you are. Don't forget where you've come from. Don't forget what I have done in the history of this group of people. He's reminding them just by saying their name, Jerusalem. Reminding them who they are. And then in verses 3 to 5 where it talks about every valley being lifted up mountain and hill made low the rough ways being made level he's pointing to hope and he says and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed there's a promise of something extraordinary and so he points them um to to this journey do you know what I just did I went to my pad of paper and I scrolled up it didn't work I got the wrong one anyway Uh, have you ever done that (laughs) this digital age we live in okay uh so let's jump down to verses 9 and uh, 9 to 11 and three things happen in these three verses um so verse 9 god speaks identity so he goes further with this identity thing so he says go up to a high mountain O zion Again, it's calling out the true identity of the people of God. What does he say about Zion? Herald of good news. You have been called to be the voice of good news, to release it uh, to the nations. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem. There it is again, identity. Herald, Jerusalem, he says it again, herald of good news. Lift it up, fear not. Say to the cities of Judah, Behold your God. Call the people of God back, is what he's saying. This is what you are destined for. Um, Then, as we move down to verse 10, so that first part, verse 9, God is speaking identity. And then, verse 10 speaks of who the Lord is so it says verse 10 behold the Lord comes with might he is the mighty one he is mighty and then he goes on and his arm rules for him he's the ruler it's re-educating it's reminding the people of God about who he is Behold, his reward is with him and his recompense before him. That speaks of the God of generosity. Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. And um, here, um, Isaiah is being called to remind the people of God who he is. So remind them of their identity. Remind them of who he is. And then thirdly, in verse 11. He says this, He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. This is then what he will do. So we're reminded of, uh, first of all, the people of God are reminded of their identity. God speaks it out secondly um, we're reminded of who he is and then thirdly we're reminded of what he will do uh, because of the promises that he has made then in verses um, 12 to 26 I'm going to jump that section but let me summarize it for you Um, it's really cool uh, what it says it's all about who God is and uh, essentially, it basically says that God's keep, God keeps his promises because nothing else in all creation can compare with him. Nothing else can stand in his way. He will always keep his promises. And it's reminding the people of God that he will always keep his promises. So that's verses 12 down to 26. And then um, uh, we get down to verse 27. And the Lord says, Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, My way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God? This is about the people's unbelief. So the, the Lord then starts to question the unbelief of the people. Um, some of the guys who are involved in youth need to head off. Just, they're not offended with me. I, I don't think... Um, But, um, so, uh, there's that sense of uh, addressing unbelief here. Um, Again, I've said it before, the people feel abandoned by God. Is that true? No, it's a lie, isn't it? They're not abandoned, but they believe they are. They're believing the wrong stuff. Um, Things aren't as, you know, they want them to be. And so, they're starting to think, uh, this isn't working out. I must be doing something wrong. And and it could be true that they're doing something wrong, but they're starting to engage with a cycle of beliefs that are outside the promises of God, what he's just been reminding them of. And so he says, why do you say my way is hidden from the Lord? I, he can't see me. He doesn't care. He's not involved. It's a lie. Why am my rights disregarded the things that I hold dear and feel that I have an entitlement to are not being met the Lord doesn't care these are the lies uh, that the people are believing and so the Lord uh, addresses that but he's doing it with tenderness isn't he verse 28 have you not known have you not heard The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. What's happening here? Again, it's who he is. We're being told who the Father is. He's the everlasting God. He's the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not grow faint or weary. His understanding is unsearchable. Isaiah's reminding the people again, this is your God. This is who he is. And then verse 29. He gives power to the faint. And to him who has no might, he increases strength. So it goes from who God is to what he does. We've seen this pattern already, but we're seeing it repeated. It's what God does. Well, what does he do? He gives power to the faint. What does that mean? Well, if, you know, we think of fainting as like falling over or something, don't we? But but being faint is that sense of weariness. Maybe we relate to that this morning. And he gives power to the faint. And he Uh, where does it go sorry I missed my place Uh, to him who has no might he increases strength so if we feel weak if we feel that we haven't got what it takes he releases strength that's the promise so verse 29 it's what he does verse 28 was who he is verse 29 was what he does and verse 30, even youth, they've just left, but even youth shall faint and be weary. And young men shall be exhausted. It's not just us. The, the young people will be too. And the Lord is encouraging through Isaiah the people. Look, even young men get tired and weary and faint. And, you know, weariness is uh, something that we can experience in in lots of different ways. But, you know, the way the world has been recently, uh, over recent months, I think all of us probably have a sense of weariness. Gosh, it just keeps going on. There's another conspiracy theory. You know, whatever the thing is, another lockdown, another thing I can't do, more people I can't see... It can create that sense of of weary. How am I going to get through? I just don't know if I've got what it takes. He gives power to the faint. And strength to the weary. That's the promise. The encouragement. So these are the things. But then the clincher comes in verse 31. But... They who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. And the key thing here is that word wait. They that wait on the Lord. In some Bible translations, it's uh, rendered as hope. And the reason is that the word in Hebrew is kawa. And uh, it it means wait, but it means wait with a sense of eagerness. Uh, you know and a sense of uh, intention so when we wait intention but there's an eagerness for something more that conveys hope and so this sense of waiting we can translate it as waiting but we can translate it as hoping as well and so uh, the, the key thing is that as we wait on the lord well we need to wait on the lord We don't just go from A to B without stopping. We need to wait and allow ourselves to engage in the hope with who he is. Because when we're reminded of who he is, the strength returns to our spirit, which in turn restores our soul. When our spirit captures onto the, the strength that he releases to us, Our souls are kind of inspired by our spirit. If I can just... um, The spirit is that place in us where God lives. The soul, that's our emotions and our intellect. It's kind of what we might think of as who we are. Um, That piece that animates our personality, really. And so it gives strength to the soul. Um, And once you get strength in your soul... It gives strength to your flesh, to your body. Uh, an amazing kind of pattern that, that is in operation. So it means to savour God's promises by faith until the time of fulfilment. So we are seeking to savour his promises. Now um, I want to move on just to, uh, from the passage itself just to try to articulate what hope is. And I've heard a number of people say this, so I won't say individually you know, which people I've heard it from, but I've heard it from various different um, ministers that you may have heard of. That, um, and, and it's, for me, one of the best descriptions I've ever heard of hope, is that hope is the joyful anticipation of good. Or you might say, hope is the joyful anticipation that good is coming. It's, it's that sense... Where, you know, um, uh, the writer of Hebrews talks about, uh, about hope and that sense of being certain of what we cannot see. You know, knowing that that is reality, even though we can't sort of sort of see it in the physical. And so the anticipation that good is coming. Now the enemy will not want you to believe that good is coming because he wants you to be down, he wants you to be uh, not knowing who you are, he wants you to feel insignificant and powerless, so he doesn't want you to engage in hope, so he will lie to you every single day and every single opportunity, he will lie by casting doubt in your mind through things that we think. And it's all about the beliefs. Earlier, I forget which verse it was. God addressed their beliefs. Was it verse 9? Um, no, he spoke identity there. But I, I mentioned it earlier. You can look it up. He addresses the, the people's beliefs because their beliefs have gone bad. And that's where we've got to be careful with our beliefs. So hope is an overall optimistic attitude um, about the future based on the goodness of God. And in order for hope to fully function in our lives, we have to know how good He is, how good God is. Because as soon as we doubt the goodness of God, we don't have any roots into which to put our hope. I mean, we've got the gospel message itself, but that in turn is, is empowered by the fact that God is good and His goodness has led to the reality of the gospel and, you know, the truth that Jesus came and took our place. So that sense of an, a sort of optimistic attitude about the future because God is good, which means he wants good things to happen in our lives. He, he is wanting the good stuff to happen. That's not to say that bad stuff won't happen But it is to say that he's not going to leave us there. He's always seeking to bring us into a place where we experience his goodness. Um, And I put here that hope connects with our beliefs. When our beliefs align with the nature and the character of God, we have hope. And that hope powers us through anything. Let me tell you a very quick illustration of this. When um, I was a curate uh, up the road in uh, Hancross, Dolly and I were looking for, uh, you know my first sort of vicar job. And um, in the process we'd applied to this church in London, it felt so amazing and on easter day we found well we found out on Monday, thursday actually that we hadn't been appointed which was really hard um and that was the second time so we'd applied they didn't manage to get anyone in the first round uh, of discernment and in the second round of discernment i didn't know this but they still hadn't managed to get anyone we didn't know that piece but we got turned down yet again And it was really hard because the Lord had told us, "This is what I have for you," and we're like, "What do we do with that?" And uh, and someone just said to me, they gave me a word um, that if, and they used the language of dishes, if if, um, or plates, if God has this on a plate for you, no no one else can take it from your plate, sort of thing. And I felt this sense of we need to persist in this. We were both absolutely plunged into that place of despair because all our eggs were in this basket because that's what we've sensed the Lord saying and we had such excitement I'd wake up in the middle of the night shaking with the Holy Spirit because of what I felt the Lord wanted to do through that community and so when the the no came it was a really big fat no and it hurt a lot and both of us were we went to the living room and we were crying uh, tears streaming down our faces And I said to Dole, we need to worship. We put a song on, which is um, called Hope's Anthem. You might know this song. Um, It goes, um, oh no, I won't sing it, there's no point, I haven't got time. Um, But it it connects, as you might expect, with the hope of God and what he has intended in the lives of his people. And as we were singing this... um, the the chorus goes, my hope is in you, God. And we were seeing this through tears of pain, going, this hurts, but I'm not going to let go of my hope in you, and I'm not going to let go of who you are. And as we did it, this joy started to well up within us. Uh, The hope took place, took precedence, and joy started to bubble out and I started laughing. I grabbed Dolly by the hand with our kids. We had two at the time and we ran into the back garden and I had a bottle of champagne that was on reserve for the celebration of when we were going to be offered the job and we ran into the garden and we shook the bottle and I released the cork and it went everywhere and everyone got covered in champagne. And It was really nice stuff as well Um, and um, and we celebrated the goodness of God simply because he is. And it changed everything. And suddenly we were able to walk despite every circumstance looking like it was going against us. What on earth are we going to do this year? And um, it all changed because we got that hope. And suddenly. You know, we were able to go into the church family that we were in at that time and release this hope all over the place because of the engagement we had had with the Lord on it. And that's the thing for us today. How do we release hope? Let me just give you, we're going to wrap up with this, but some bullets on hope. Some of this will be quite challenging, but I'm saying it to help us realize how much we need hope. Francis Frangipani who wrote the book, The Three Battlegrounds, says this in the book. He says, every area of your life that is not glistening with hope means that you're believing a lie and the devil has a stronghold in that area. Let me say it again. Every area of your life that is not glistening with hope means that you are believing a lie and the devil has a stronghold in that area. Now, how many of us can say that we're glistening with hope in every area of our lives? That's a, I know that's a really challenging quote, but the reason I give it is because I want us to start looking at, well, if I'm not hoping, why am I not hoping? And what's going on? What am I believing? Because if I'm not hoping, it's an indicator that something is not aligned in my uh, pursuit of the Father, my pursuit of Jesus, my pursuit of journeying with the Holy Spirit. So we need to find what those things are. Here's a few other things. This is from a guy called Steve Backland, who I spent a bit of time with when I was out in America. And he says this My hopelessness about a problem is a bigger problem than the problem. My hopelessness about a problem is a bigger problem than the problem so if you're feeling hopeless about this next lockdown that hopelessness is a bigger problem than the lockdown because that hopelessness will take you into a place that you don't want to be in and it won't be a place of hope or joy or of expectation in the goodness of God I've got to rattle through these because we're out of time Uh, let me just see oh this is a challenging one this was from him too there are no hopeless situations There are only hopeless people. Anyone relate to that? There are no hopeless situations. There are only hopeless people. That's not to undervalue situations that look hopeless. Because I know sometimes they do. But here's how the brain works. When the brain believes a solution exists, it will keep on searching for it until it finds it. But when the, when the brain believes uh, that, that there is no hope in this area, it will stop looking. Does that make sense? So when the brain believes um, this situation can change, it will keep on looking for a solution until it finds one. But if it doesn't believe the situation can change, the brain will just stop looking. And that's when people start to turn inwards on themselves. We all probably relate to that in some ways. So my hopelessness about a problem is a bigger... Sorry, that was the wrong one. um, There are no hopeless situations. There are only hopeless people. But here's what transforms it all. Once you get true hope about a problem, that situation cannot stay the same. And there's loads of research on this. If you look at Caroline Leaf who's written a few books on... She's a, a neuroscientist. I've forgotten the, the actual phrase of what she is. But she's a, a high-level doctor of the brain and does loads of ex, uh, stuff on it. And she's really been unpacking this. And she's written a book called Switch Your Brain On. And she's written another book called Switch Your Brain Off. And they all talk about... Uh, write about this uh, side of things, um, how the brain works. So once you get true hope about a situation that situation cannot stay the same. Let me give this, Romans 12, verse 2, you know it. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Current mind renewal brings future hope. Current mind renewal, so making sure my mind is aligned with the truth of who he is, of my identity in him, and of the kind of things he does then I will move into hope. So current mind renewal brings future transformation, and and it does that via hope. And then just the ending of Isaiah here says, they who hope in the Lord or who wait with hope in the Lord shall renew their strength. There's no kind of sense of, you know, you won't renew your strength if you hope in the Lord. If you hope in the Lord, just like when we worship that time, Our strength will be renewed. We shall mount up on wings like eagles. We shall run and not be weary and walk and not be faint. And this is really my, you know, what I want to just say to us today that, yes, we are at the front end of another lockdown. But we have an amazing opportunity before us to approach this time however disappointed we may be feeling right now um, or whatever is going on we might be grieving or we might be you know experiencing some level of isolation or those kinds of things but even with that we have an opportunity to wait on the Lord uh, to allow his truth to embed in us and I would encourage the reading of the Psalms to you know focus on the Psalms through this period To allow hope to rise up within you. Because when you allow that hope to take root and to take precedence, then you become somebody that can change the atmosphere for other people. Because when we have the hope alive in us, we can release it wherever we go. And that's what I think we are called to as the people of God. Let's be the voice of hope. Ben, one of our interns, had a word this morning about us being the joy for people, that people would look at us and go, what's wrong with you? How can you be so joyful? And it's because we've spent time with Jesus, because we've waited on the Lord and allowed him to renew our strength so that we can be the light of the world to those that are struggling to be that Or who don't know the light of the world personally. Let's pray. Heavenly Father I want to thank you. That from Isaiah we see how you um, have spoken to the people of God who had lost their way. That you reminded them of what the reasons are for true hope. It's based on who you are as the King of kings and the Lord of lords, as the creator of the universe, as the loving Messiah who saves and befriends us, who loves us beyond compare. And because of that, our identity as your children, that we belong to you, may that go so deep in us this morning. And out of that, May we operate in a way that looks like you. As we wait on you, as hope arises in our hearts, as uh, strength restores the weary places, as our very sense of maybe exhaustion or tiredness or weariness is re strengthened because of that thing of hoping and waiting on you may we be that voice may we be the people who bring joy life and hope to those around us we ask this in jesus name amen Amen. now just as we close i know um i've gone a little bit over we normally aim to finish by quarter past um have we got any healing team i can see mark and valerie are there any others i just uh now okay are you happy to come up for prayer thank you so mark and valerie will come um if uh you would like to receive prayer today um i would encourage you with this if right now today for whatever reason you're struggling to connect with hope then do come forward for um some uh, time of prayer with uh, mark and valerie um and um i'm going to be on the door so i won't pray but if there's anyone else on the prayer team um, who's able to come do come up as well and the way we do that just so i'll say we've got these white lines on the front and whoever's praying will stand there and come to stand on the blue cross if you want prayer that keeps us the right distance apart um thank you so much i probably should finish with a blessing i haven't done that so let's shall we stand and let's do the blessing and before I bring the blessing, can I just say thank you to all of you? I, I, I don't know if Jonathan said it. I'm sure he, he felt it. But thank you so much for responding to the Lord in what James and Lou have been sharing over the last few months. and um, Last month, really. Um, but for responding to that with the Lord and whatever he's called you to do. I'm just, you know, I know James and Lou would want to say this. Thank you so much for honoring the Lord in, in how you give. And um, we're so grateful for whatever that has meant uh, for you to do. And we don't know what that is. So, you know. But thank you very much for just honouring the Lord with that. Let's um, release a blessing. Lord, as we go from here. As we seek to shine as lights in the world as we seek to be voices of hope and bringers of joy may the blessing of God Almighty the Father, Son and the Holy Spirit be among you and remain with you always. Amen. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord in the name of Christ. Amen. Thank you so much. We will be in touch um, with what the plans are over the next month. So do keep an eye for your emails. God bless.